You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chuck Carlson introducing this series that we will be conducting on the Christian Bible, War and Peace, and Where is America Going Wrong? We American Christians want to believe that the USA is the most Christian land on the globe. This was probably once true, but it can hardly be said now, after America has become involved in literally dozens of wars fought on someone else's ground. One possible answer to be examined is that some significant part of U.S. Christian world is not following Christ anymore, but has somehow allowed itself to be part of a warring system. Unfortunately, we long ago discovered this to be the case, and we call this group the Christian Zionists. Tonight, Craig Hansen will start the series off about Christians in war and what our response of our nation should be to this perpetual conflict. Craig has considerable training in theology and church leadership and is a great authority on Scripture. So we're going to introduce Craig Hansen now, who will be starting this first session off, and he'll be beginning by answering a Christian Zionist friend's questions to kick off this series. And then we will be going on in subsequent programs with the rest of the series. Craig Hansen? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Craig Hansen. I've just had an interesting experience uh, last week. A friend of mine who uh, goes to a different church uh, came to me and said, Craig, would you kind of take a look at the last message that our pastor preached at this church? I think you'd find it uh, kind of interesting. And I didn't know anything about the church, didn't know anything about what it would be entitled at all. But the message was entitled Trust Issues. And that seems fairly benign. And so I did a little research on this church. And I thought, well, it's more of a uh, charismatic Pentecostal kind of church, in which they tend to lean, Assembly of God type, tend to go in the Christian Zionist camp and premillennial dispensationalism and the rapture, the end times, and all of that package. It tends to be pretty solid in the uh, charismatic and the Assembly of God kind of churches. So I kind of went in thinking that's kind of what I was going to expect, went online, pulled up the video and watched the whole sermon and made comments about it. So what I'm going to give you tonight is my letter to my friend. And what I'm going to do, too, is after um, I email it to him, I'm also going to email the pastor of this church here in town, and uh, hopefully it'll, it'll generate some dialogue. Uh, up to this point, whenever I contacted uh, pastors of churches that were doing the vigils in front of or any of, any of those things, uh, they, they seem to take the position of ignoring us is the best medicine because they don't want to open dialogue because it seems like that would somehow 
substantiate our existence. But by just ignoring us, that seems to be the, uh, the weapon of choice. But anyway, I'm going to entitle my friend's name Joe, and the pastor's going to be Pastor Smith. So I'll read the letter. Hi, Joe. Thanks for asking me to watch and review Pastor Smith's sermon, Trust Issues. I believe Pastor Smith is a godly man who wants to teach truth to his congregation and to help them grow spiritually. It would be beneficial to know where he received his theological training. And it was interesting, and I've seen this over and over again, is especially with these young kind of millennial up-and-coming megachurches, to try to find out who these people are. It's like pulling hen's teeth on their about us or our history or any of those things. It's plain vanilla. You know, we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. We trust Jesus as our Savior. Their statement of faith is very just plain vanilla. And it's hard to find who are these people. And the same thing with this church. You can't find anything about who they are. So that was, that's why I asked. It would be nice to know uh, where he got his training. Going on. As you know, Joe, my wake-up call to the realities of Christian Zionism came when I actually met real Christian Palestinians and got to hear their stories. From what little I knew of this church, I was pretty sure I would see here premillennial dispensationalism, and abbreviated from this point on PMD, Christian Zionism being preached. This turned out to be true. The pastor presented the usual PMD view of Israel and the Jews. This PMD teaching is not the historical teaching of the Christian church and only made its debut in the late 19th century. It was popularized in this nation mainly through the Dallas Theological Seminary, founded by a Dr. Louis Speary Chafer, whose mentor was C.I. Schofield of the Schofield Reference Bible fame. We have quite a bit of info on the errors of the Schofield Bible, and I put a, a hyperlink in my email to my friend so he can look up the things on the Schofield Bible. Also, I have to say, too, with these kind of up-and-coming churches, it's got you know, the rock band and the, the whole thing. What really impressed me is I haven't seen it in a church before, and I haven't been in a whole lot of church services like this, but behind the pastor is about a 12-foot-tall and a 30-foot-wide like a jumbotron. And so it's pretty impressive. It's just like he's moving around in the scriptures and his notes and everything is on this huge jumbotron behind him. In this message, he is going to have this timeline, starting with Genesis and Abraham and the promises to Abraham and then the captivities and then the return from Babylon and on and on in the, in the temple and then the 70 years of uh, exile in Babylon, back from that. And it's this whole timeline across the board. And it's, if you're into visual stimuli, it, it definitely packs a punch in watching the sermon. Anyway, continuing on. What I did here in this letter, I put time markers so my friend could go back and watch the video and you can say, okay, at 10 minutes, this was said and so forth. So uh, I said, uh, no, to help you reference the specific location, the Vimeo video of the sermon, I'm discussing, I will be using the, the app and the time marker. Going on. Turning to Pastor Smith's message, I have the following comments. First, with the title, Trust Issues. Pastor Smith started out with the question, can God be trusted? He asked this in reference to God keeping his promises. Since the answer is unquestionably yes, 
he then proceeded to weave together God's promises with the PMD interpretation of those promises. When the truth, God can be trusted, is coupled with the inaccuracies of the PMD interpretation, the average congregant will believe the whole package. There were many assumptions and presuppositions in his message, and I will point out a few. At 28 minutes, he assumes the Jews of Jesus' day are direct ancestors of the Jews today. But know that that is absolutely impossible to prove. One quick point to think about. Jewishness is passed on today through the mother. In biblical times, it was through the father. According to that thinking, Jesus wouldn't even be Jewish because of Rahab and Ruth. Just because someone or some group of individuals follows Judaism, that doesn't make them, quote, God's chosen people. Whether they converted to Judaism last year or as most, if not all, the Eastern European Jews did in the seventh century. However one chooses to identify the Jews, it really doesn't matter when it comes to the land of Israel. Pastor Smith stated at 18 minutes, quote, God gave Abram two inseparables, the people and the land, end quote. Oh, this is not accurate. In Genesis 12, 1 through 7, it states, quote, and I will make you a great nation, end quote. The word nation is the Hebrew word is goy, which is better translated as people, showing God's faithfulness to his promises to Abram to give him a lineage. Because after all, Abram didn't have any children. Sarah, they were both so old. So God's promise of giving him a lineage is what the Lord is talking about in that passage. Going on, the land issue was a conditional promise based on the obedience of the Israelites. A typical error in interpreting scripture is taking the word olam in Hebrew, translating it forever, and applying the Greek idea of infinitude, which is not Hebraic. Olam is found in Jonah 2.6, and that's where Jonah says he's in the belly of fish forever, as well in, as in Genesis 13.15, which is the promise of the land. I don't think Jonah is still in the fish. Being a resident in, quote, God's land was conditional upon obedience. The highest form of disobedience to God is rejecting his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 37 through 38, in his lament over Jerusalem, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. Well, that prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD, and that was the end of Old Testament Judaism, the destruction of the temple, the destruction of the sacrifices. And in actuality, that whole thing started coming unglued when Jesus died on the cross and the temple was, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. That was the beginning of the end of Old Testament Judaism. At minute 29, Pastor Smith says, quote, a land and a people are united again, end quote, referring to May 1948. And I asked my friend the question, show me anywhere in scripture that a rebellious house of Israel has any right to any land. It's not there. Look up what Talmudic Judaism believes about Jesus compared to what the Muslims 
believe about Jesus. I think you'd be surprised. If any of you have listeners have done that, you'll find out that the, at least the Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, as opposed to Judaism, where Jesus is a son of a, a harlot and a bastard child, and he's boiling in urine and so forth. How we treat the Jews as our brothers in the faith just blows me away, because they are so anti-Jesus, it's not even funny. If you're interested in all the machinations that went on into the formation of the state of Israel, I'd highly recommend Alison Weir's excellent book, Against Our Better Judgment. And if uh, anybody hasn't read that, I highly recommend it. It goes into the whole history of how the Jewish bankers and the Zionists put pressure on our politicians and so forth to make this Jewish state come into being. Going on, the Abrahamic land promise was fulfilled in Joshua's day. I found it interesting that Pastor Smith quotes Joshua 21, 44 through 45 in his message at 19 minutes, showing God's fulfilling his promise. But he fails to read verse 43 right before his quoted passage, which states, quote, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, end quote. This shows the fulfillment of the land promise made to Abraham was at that time. So why not read that verse too? It's typical, the premillennialist dispensationalists, they have this whole idea of the land that Israel even today hasn't taken all the land that was promised. And Eretz Israel goes clear up through Syria and clear over into Iraq and so forth and so on. But the passage in Joshua clearly states that the land promise was fulfilled right back then. As we read further in the Old Testament, we see time after time that the Israelites lost their land through disobedience. Yes, God's promise to Abraham was fulfilled, but that was then and not 1948. There are many scriptures showing that by only by obedience could God's people stay in his land and return to the land after their exile or rebellion against him. At 29 minutes, Pastor Smith makes this statement, quote, World War I, the land was prepared for the people. And World War II, the people were prepared for the land, end quote. That phrase is loaded with so many inaccuracies, there are books written on the subject. It smacks of the early Christian Zionist phrase, quote, a land for a people for a people without a land, end quote. Palestine was filled with a thriving culture and civilization long before and up to 1948. So what's the fuss? Why is this such a big deal? Well, this is not just a discussion over minor doctrinal issues. Example, do we meet on Sundays or Saturdays? Have a communion once a month or every week? Baptism by immersion or sprinkling? This is a big deal because, first of all, Zionism does not represent Jesus and his teachings. It's based on bad exegesis of scripture. Its historicity is flawed. Zionism is causing the suffering and death of millions of people all over the world. Example, the endless wars defending the racist Zionist state of Israel. Millions of Palestinians are still living in refugee camps. Where's their right of return? Also, it affects all Americans by the $10 million a day of aid that the U.S. is sending to Israel, plus the cost of the military buildup to fight these Middle East wars, plus the tragedy of our own wounded and dead soldiers. Most of these policies are dictated 
and controlled by the Israel lobby's influence on our Congress and White House. You're right, Joe. I'm very passionate about this issue, but what causes me the most sorrow and grief is watching my brothers and sisters in Christ who wholeheartedly support something that is so anti-Jesus. Could you see Jesus driving a caterpillar tractor, demolishing Palestinian homes and olive orchards and stealing their land? The Zionist state of Israel was created out of Jewish terrorism. Just look up the Stern Gang or the Ergon, for starters. What really saddened me the most about Pastor Smith's message was the callousness in which he dismissed the deaths and suffering of the Palestinians who were forced off their land by the Zionist militias. And look up Dirty Scene Massacre. I put a, put a hyperlink to that one. At 31 minutes into the message, the pastor said, quote, if you want to live in the area, go next door, end quote. My Christian Palestinian neighbor's family had to flee to Jordan to escape the Zionists. When I learned of the suffering and pain of my Palestinian brothers and sisters in Christ, I had to ask the question, what's wrong with this picture? I was going to a Zionist church, and I didn't even know what Christian Zionism was. I was living in a country that was arming the nation that was persecuting my fellow Christians. The worst part was that professing Christians were supporting this theft of land, destruction of property, apartheid, and murder. I had to do something. That's when I started my research of Christian Zionism and ended up being affiliated with We Hold These Truths, whose mission is to alert the evangelical church to the dangers of Christian Zionism and how unbiblical and unchristlike it is. Scripture speaks of someone who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And guess who? It's not Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessings, Craig. And I end it by saying, Joe, I've attached a flyer that we hand out at our vigils of Christian Zionist churches. It may give further understanding to some of your questions and also a link to our movie, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. So that's the whole letter that I'm uh, sending to my friend, and I'm going to forward it on to the pastor of the church. Any comments? This is Ken. Craig, I would be interested, too, where this guy got his training. How old do you think Pastor Smith is? I'd say maybe late 30s, early 40s. But what he was teaching, how he weaves things in and out, that's probably what, exactly what he was taught in seminary. Yeah, yeah. They're very and, good uh, at that. I actually typed in logical fallacy. That's a good place to start. You take something true that everyone knows, and you take something that they really don't know, but they trust you. You stick them together, and then they buy the package at the end. Exactly. And I thought, oh, man, this is really slick. And he's got the mannerisms. It's a typical it's a sport coat, the open collar, the jeans. You know, it's the Steve Jobs look, that whole thing. That's kind of where it started. And it's a very smooth presentation. And how he controls, to me, manipulates the congregation, talking about God fulfilling his promise to Israel. And like they're all cheering 1948. Yes, we see God's faithful. He was faithful to Abraham. He's faithful. And he makes a nice segue because he goes to, now we know that God is faithful to you. God is faithful to see you through to your salvation, to see Jesus work in your life. And I keep coming back to the rat poison thing. 90% of what they're saying is fine. But it's that poison in it that we're going to get into in the next few weeks, talking about taking scriptures out of context, 
misapplying the meaning to those scriptures and making this whole war-based thing that it's okay to go and kill people in other countries and steal their land in the name of Yahweh. That's just ludicrous. But we don't have the funds. We don't, we don't, we're not APAC. We're not KUFI. We don't have the resources to get the word out. Because I think if you sit down with people one-on-one and say, well, why do you believe this? Why do you think this is okay? I think that's where we have our audience. But one-on-one isn't going to change this country. It's, it's got to be in large numbers. I had a neighbor come over today and talking about Israel, God will bless those who bless you. Yes. I said, well, what about the Palestinians? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> That's what just blew me away, Ken, when he said, if you want to live there, just go next door. This land was God's idea. He gave it to him. And basically, you know, whatever you think about Israel, it's God's idea first. So, you know, it's yep. like, hey, my hands are back. Whatever they want to do, it's God's idea. And who am I? to fight against God less. Well, that's like, that's their segue. It's their support in what God wants. Right. Chuck? One little part of this talk you gave referred to the pastor actually suggesting that World War One and World War Two were pulled off by God yes. in order to bring about the state of Israel. Yes. He actually suggested that two world wars that killed countless millions of people were pulled off for the purposes of bringing about the state of Israel. Yes. You delivered one little sentence about that, but this gets to the very root of the problem of Christian Zionism. War is okay if it brings about the result that they want. Yes. If that brings about the result of a state of Israel, then it's probably God's war. Mm-hmm. And that God did it, and we should accept it. Mm-hmm. So then why shouldn't we accept every single war that comes along? Right. You can't argue against that. I'd never heard that phrase before, that World War I prepared the land and World War II prepared the people. That was new to me. I'd obviously heard the one, a land without a people for a people without a land. But somebody taught him that. Exactly. And that's why I want to know, where did this stuff come from? If I were writing to this pastor, I would start off by asking him if he supports the notion that God brought about the killing of, was it 16 million people in the two wars? I, I don't know how the, the number right. of millions. If he supports that notion that God did that, is that the God that he believes in? Mm-hmm. This is really where our series needs to take us because this is just one example of how the Zionist church is tolerating and even finding excuses to support one war right after another on the basis of it's doing something that is good for Israel. Uh Well, you also might want to remind people one of the things about the premillennial dispensationalists, they do camp out in the Old Testament, and they many times are looking at the New Testament through the lens of the Old Testament, it should be the other way. Paul, who was Saul, a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before his road to Damascus experience, writes in his book to the Galatians in chapter 3, addressing this issue of the promise to Abraham. In verse 16, he says, Now, The promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. 
it does not say and to offsprings referring to many but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ and then he goes further down in the chapter here verse 25 but now that faith has come we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and female for you are all one in Jesus Christ and if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promises Right. Well, that might be a good one to run past this pastor Smith and see what he says about that one yeah oh exactly yeah. All right, I want to thank you, Craig, for this presentation and for your approach as you are bringing us right into a Zionist church and how the Zionist teaching goes. And this is so important to understand because those who are mainliners or who don't go to church at all have no way of understanding what goes on in the Christian Zionist church unless we tell them. So thank you so much for doing that. And in the future, we will carry this on further and deal with how the Christian Zionist churches have been led into the false doctrine that actually supports endless wars all over. And we will discover as we go along that without the Christian Zionist church, American wars could not even be fought today, the ones that we have been in for the last few years. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1.